are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining from Dallas, Texas, which is my home area. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work, and it's an extension of my own research around meaning and work and identity. It's also a complement to the work I do at Insignia, which is a management consulting firm. We'll get to the program in just a second, but let me give a shout out and thank you to Jobbing.com. They're my media partner and sponsor. If you don't know them, they are the leading locally focused job board in the nation and are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. For this week's conversation, with me is John Tarnoff, a reinvention career coach and an advocate for the boomer generation. He offers coaching, workshops, and speaking, and his book, Boomer Reinvention, How to Create Your Dream Career After 50, comes out in the fall. He joins us today from Los Angeles, California. We'll be talking a bit about, of course, boomers and career reinvention. He's got lots to share there, and I also want to get into his own story of reinvention. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Elise. It's great to be here. Yeah, um, for our listeners, I have to tell you the power of social media and Twitter. We somehow found each other on Twitter, and I looked at his site and went, you have to come on my show. So, John, thanks for agreeing. Well, thank you for finding me. <laughs> it's fun, this, this, this phenomenon called social media. So um, I want to give our listeners as much as we possibly can, John, get as much out of you as I can in our, in our hour together. So let's get right into it. Um, the first thing I want to ask you about is, is why is career invention so important to and for boomers? Well, I was thinking about this question because you, you, you told me we're going to lead off with that question. I thought I would start with something of a controversial answer, which is that for many of us, it's because our careers are kind of over uh, or the, the first act of our careers are over. And it's really important for us to recognize that, not hold on to the trailing edge of, uh, of our careers and, and really go for what's next. That's a great way to start the show. Thanks a lot, John. We just lost all of our listeners. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, well, they're all kind of calling everyone saying, hey, come on, check this out. <laughs> I, I like check it. I like call. it. Um, well, I want to talk about something that many of us have thought about many times, and I think probably most anybody who's listening to the show can probably remember and recall some pretty major impact about this. But talk with us about the aftermath of the most recent recession, that 2008 to 2011 or so time period. Sure. Well, this really kind of is the answer to the question about why career reinvention is so important to us. And I think that the, the recession really was a wake-up call for the boomer generation. Uh, I, I think we all kind of came into this with a lot of ex, uh, you know, exuberant, excessive exuberance about the economy and about our position in the economy. Um, and the, the net effect of the recession was devastating to this generation both in terms of the loss of value to our homes as well as the loss of value to our retirement savings. So there was this double whammy that I think, well, I know it knocked a lot of us for a loop, and many of us are still cautiously recovering from that and and certainly looking at our finances in a very different way. 
Yeah, I made the the wonderful. I had the wonderful, great idea, John, of starting a business with a business partner in 2006, launching a product in 2008 that was contingent on people getting jobs. Right. <laughs> Guess right. how that turned right. out. Well, at, at least you weren't like a lot of people who were investing in uh, real estate uh, and rental properties in 2005, 2006, 2007, and found themselves underwater, and in many cases of people I've talked to forced to declare bankruptcy. Wow. Gosh, that's so sobering, right? That is so sobering. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I'm glad I wasn't in that spot. Um, but one, what you're mentioning there reminds me, one thing I, I wanted to call it specifically, you mentioned earlier the idea of the, of the declining retirement savings values. And I did want to talk about that, John, whether it's because they lost value in the recession or we're just not saving enough. But can you talk to how that phenomenon is impacting boomers' experience of career? Absolutely. Uh, There was a very interesting study that came out uh, about a year ago that the General Accounting Office uh, put together, and and it really confirmed what a lot of us who have been looking at this over the last few years have been saying, which is that retirement savings to begin with in our generation has been very spotty. Uh, And what the study revealed was that about 25% of our generation has no retirement savings whatsoever, nor do they have any pension whatsoever from their employment to cover them in retirement, so-called retirement years. Another 25% uh, has, again, no savings, but some form of pension so that there is going to be some little cushion there. uh, And that the other 50% of the generation has some savings, at least some savings, some pension, but that the median amount of the retirement savings account is around $100,000 for people in their mid to late 50s, early 60s. A little bit higher for people who are older, for people who are in their early to late 60s. But when you think about what the return on investment is of $100,000, not going to get you very far on an annual basis if you're subscribing to that 4%, that so-called 4% rule that financial planners uh, advise for you to withdraw your, uh, you know, so think about it when you're withdrawing your, uh, from your account. So, you know, the, 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 the situation is pretty bleak uh, overall. And what it means to me is that we're not going to be able to stop working anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think about what what would be a good chunk of money. Let's say that you're, maybe you can speak to this, John, maybe you can't, but what would be, let's say you're 60, 65 years old, what would be a, a, a better chunk of money to have at hand than that $100,000 might you hope for? Well, I mean, I'm not a financial planner, so I don't, I don't give, you know, financial planning advice and I, and you know, it, 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 it I think if you look at your lifestyle today uh, as a, as someone who is employed, uh, I'm assuming I'm talking to people who are in their 50s who are looking down the road and saying, okay, I've got another maybe 10 years left in my job. Maybe I'm getting close to 60. So, so you know, maybe I'm expecting to retire at 65. Maybe my company has a policy which is going to force me to retire at 65 or 66. Um, and, and we're also just kind of used to thinking about this. We kind of grew up with this notion that we would work until 65 and then be able to retire. So, you know, you got to look at your lifestyle and say, well, how much am I willing to give up of that lifestyle? What if I'm, if I'm, if I'm living at a certain rate today, 
uh, how could I downsize that uh, and and live for what twenty five percent less, fifty percent less than what I'm what I'm making today? Uh, I mean, those are the kinds of questions that you have to deal with with a professional. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, John. I I didn't want to put you on the spot because I know but you're not a planner, but it's certainly time to think about that. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And uh, to your point, John, I, I one of the things I wanted to definitely share, and I know you and I spoke about this a little bit on the phone, is um, to your point of us thinking that we're going to retire at 65. I, that is such a cliche past tense idea, I think, um, that a lot of people haven't let go of yet. And I know for me, even only recently last year in the summertime, I, I sat in a presentation given by a futurist, and she told us we were a crowd of about, I don't know, 40 women. Most of us were probably 40s, 50s, maybe low 60s. And she said, if you are a healthy woman in your 50s, there's a pretty good chance you're going to live to 100. And I thought two things right out, of, right out of the gate, John. I thought, okay, great, awesome. I have more time to achieve my goals. That's good. And secondly, I thought, oh, my gosh, I really got to take better care of my body, and I better save a lot more money than I am. So I found that to be <laughs> kind of a, kind of a, I don't know, a, both on the one hand encouraging and also scary statement. Well, it's a wake-up call, right? Um, yeah. But I, I, what, what I... What, I immediately think about when you talk about this idea that, that we are expecting or we're brought up to expect that we would be retiring at 65, I'm, I'm not so much concerned actually about re-educating those of us who are in the midst of this situation, and we know damn well that we're going to have to keep working. The problem is not us. The problem is the economy and the employer who doesn't think of us as being effective, productive, and worthwhile workers after retirement age. Mm -hmm. I think that is one of the biggest challenges that we have to deal with is turning people's ideas around about what it means to be an older worker in this economy. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I see frequently, and I'm sure you do in the work that you do specifically, John, is what, what I think about is I talk to so many people as a meaning and work researcher who say, gosh, you know, I really don't like the work that I'm doing right now. I'm 55 or whatever, and I, or, or I'm, I'm 50, and I just got to hang on for a few more years. And I'm like, but you're going to be working until you're probably into your 70s. Why wouldn't you change course now? Do right. you run into right. that? Yeah, and, and I think that, that that idea of working just a few more years implies that there is a there's a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow or there is some something that's going to save you at the end of that rainbow so you just need to hang in for a little while longer mm-hmm. and maybe if you have been in a job for a long time and you do actually have enough money socked away for retirement and you've got the whole thing planned out for a seamless transition then more power to you that's great then your question is going to be well what do I want to do in my retirement? Am I going to just play golf and go on cruises or am I going to continue to be of service or to have some purposeful career, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think about that too. I I worry about people that just retire and don't actually have a, have any activities planned. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you as well, John, you mentioned earlier the idea of how much we're savings, but there you're kind of getting to the notion of the benefit package. Once you actually do head toward those, re- quote, retirement years and you maybe have something waiting for you, that pot of gold, um, talk to us about 
what you know about retirement plans. If you if you feel like, do we are we in the right camp here? Are we on the right track? Are they are they good and healthy? Or what's what have you seen for that? Well, you know, again, I'm not a financial planner. I mean, I think they're they're all over the place. I think we've certainly witnessed the reduction or the elimination of defined benefit plans, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know the 401k. Uh, I, I think it's a little bit, without getting into too much of the politics of it, I, I think the 401k is a little, we, we got sold a little bit uh, a bill of goods here on this idea that we could control our own uh, retirement savings. Actually, we're at the mercy of the market, as we found out in 2008. Uh, and the, the defined benefit package really put the burden on the employer to, to uh, honor the work compact that was originally at the heart of the retirement concept, which was that we would work for a certain number of decades uh, loyally with that company, and that retirement was not a was not a gift to us. It really was part of our compensation, and that uh, you know, we, and we've we've since kind of flipped on that, and uh, and we find ourselves in a situation where we're on our own basically when it comes to retirement, and. Uh, the, the company washes its hands of us pretty much uh, when we get to this stage in life. And uh, as we've seen over the last 10, 15 years, uh, with all of the corporate downsizings and uh, early retirement packages, they kind of can't wait to get rid of us. Yeah, I hear that. I see that trend too, John. It's very, it's very alarming. And, and along those lines, I'd like to hear, what, what's your view on Social Security? I'm sorry, my view on? Social Security. Right. Well, uh, Social Security is uh, under challenge, uh, and something is going to have to be done. Uh, again, this is, this is kind of the wonky area where I'm sitting along uh, the sidelines with everyone else uh, and wondering whether this is about uh, raising the retirement age, which I think it certainly will have to be. Is it going to be about raising the, um, the cap? Uh, the Social Security contribution cap, uh, they're going to have to do something. What I find kind of a little bit disturbing uh, is that in this election cycle, uh, with uh, candidates, I mean, it's really the front, the, the frontrunners of the presumptive nominees and, and the one guy who's still kind of trailing in there who hasn't, who hasn't, uh, who hasn't gone away, uh, all these people are over 65 around 70 years old or more, and no one's talking about this, right? So what's that about? You know, why is the future of 72 million people in this country not being addressed in this election cycle? And I will leave it there. Okay, John, that's a big number, 72 million. I had no idea it was that big. Wow. Yeah, that's how many of us are left. Okay, wow. Wow. That's over what age? Mm-hmm. That's over what age, do you say? Uh, well, those are the baby boomers born between 1946 and 1964. Got it. Okay. Okay. And 10,000 well, of us, this is an oft-quoted figure, 10,000 of us a day are turning 65. And we will continue to turn 65 as a generation until December 31st, 2029. Wow. Gosh, that's so interesting you think like that, John. Thanks for kind of yeah. painting that specific picture. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. 
Um, well, one of the things I've heard you talk about before, John, is this idea of the sandwich phenomenon, this, you know, caring for adult kids and aging parents. Um, yeah. Talk to us, if you would, about how that, how boomers are experiencing life and career with that juxtaposition, would you? Sure. Well, I, I think, you know, it's, it, it's bad enough that we have low savings and that there's less of a safety net. Um, and the, the other side of that is that because of longevity, on the one hand, uh, our parents are living longer mm-hmm. and we are often saddled with caring for them, uh, which may be unexpected, but we're also in many cases saddled with taking care for longer periods of time of our kids. And I think it's not, it's not, um, it's not a surprise that the millennial generation is taking, generally speaking, a longer time to get launched and get settled than earlier generations than Gen Xers or boomers. And um, I mean, I think they get a lot of flack about this, but I, I understand that they're living in a very, very complex, very scary time economically and politically. And I understand that they may have some trepidation about starting their careers and what careers to start, et cetera, et cetera, and maybe relying on their parents on us for a longer period of time. So we have more responsibility than we expected we were going to have at this time, and that factors into it. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, we had somebody on earlier in the show, John, who talked about that very notion of taking sometimes just six years alone to get through college instead of four, plus all the other complicating factors in the economy. So point well taken. Yep. So believe it or not, we've already blown through our first 20 minutes, John, if you can believe that. It's time for a break. I know, it goes so fast. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with John Tarnoff, a reinvention career coach, speaker, and author who helps his fellow baby boomers transition to meaningful and sustainable careers beyond traditional retirement. He is the author of the forthcoming book called Boomer Reinvention, How to Create Your Dream Career After 50. We've been talking a bit about some of his pearls of wisdom, what he knows about the importance of boomers staying working. After the break, we'll continue and hear about his story as well. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you in your own driver's seat? Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. 
On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is John Tarnoff, a reinvention career coach, speaker, and author who helps his fellow baby boomer transition to meaningful and sustainable careers beyond traditional retirement. He has been fired 39% of the time over his 35-year career as a Los Angeles-based film producer, studio executive, and tech entrepreneur, so he reinvented himself at age 50, going back to school to earn a counseling, Master's of Arts in Spiritual Psychology, which sounds fascinating. He joins us today from Los Angeles, California. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, John, picking up where we left off, we were talking about the sandwich generation, or the sandwich phenomenon, and next I wanted to hear you say a little bit, if you would... Uh, about the specific career challenges that are pertinent to older workers. Now, you've said a few things, but I really want to cue that up so people are focused on kind of what's really going on. Right. Well, you know, the, the thing that people talk about as a cliche is that older people don't get technology. And I, I don't think that's a fair criti- criticism. I think that by now, I think uh, a lot of people, um, certainly people on the younger end of the boomer generation, you know, those born in the late 50s to mid 60s uh, have no problem with technology. So I think that's a little bit of a canard that's, that's thrown uh, at us. But what I, what I do think relates to that a little bit is that there are, there are certain workflows, certain digital workflows that are much more uh, familiar to Gen Xers and Millennials that, uh, that, that boomers can adapt to. And, uh, you know, this would be Subtle distinctions, like the difference between writing an email and and uh, uh, and and picking up the phone. I think boomers are going to be more inclined to pick up the phone. A millennial is going to be more inclined to send a text. So I think it's incumbent upon boomers to use their age and wisdom to properly contextualize things like collaboration and communication without being judgmental about it. And I think this is, this is my biggest problem with boomer workers is that just because we have all this experience doesn't mean that we know anything any better than someone who is younger. And we have to be really careful about taking this arrogant attitude that we've seen, seen it all and done it all and, and younger generations just need to listen to us and do what we say and it just doesn't work that way anymore. 
Mm-hmm. I would agree. And I will tell you, John, interestingly enough, just, I don't know, probably five or six weeks ago, my guests were talking about the idea of reverse mentoring and how organizations are embracing that as a way to encourage collaboration between the generations, wherein the, the younger generation is, ex- is expected and encouraged to share what they know about things like social media and technology and enrolling the older generations into learning what it is that they know. So it's, it's, it's part of this, the organizational structure and culture to have those kinds of structured conversations for that very reason. I love that idea. And I think that that, that is the future that I see, which is this completely intergenerational cooperative future where it's not about boomers bashing millennials or millennials and Gen Xers bashing boomers. And I see a lot of that. I see a lot of this, this uh, intergenerational hatred going on on social media, which just strikes me as being completely pointless and, um, and, and, and to no, to no good purpose. Yeah, I was going to say certainly non-productive for sure. Absolutely. Um, now, so you mentioned a little bit about this before, John, but I did want to cue up this question here from the employer vantage point. If you could talk with us about ageism, misinformation, poor planning, and outdated assumptions. Right. Well, you know, I think one of those, again, is about technology um, and, um, and the fact that I think mostly what I see with employers is that the recruiters and HR people who are tasked with creating the workplace and really kind of maintaining this workforce uh, really do not have the training and I guess the consciousness that understands the value that each generation brings to the, uh, the workplace. And, uh, and so what will happen is that perhaps in subtle ways, uh, their discomfort with older workers will prejudice them against working with older people and helping older people um, uh, access their workflow. And again, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big training problem that, that really needs to be handled from the top where we have to really look at the future economy, realize that keeping boomers employed is not just this nice to have, but it's really going to be crucial to the success of our economy because if everyone over 65 all of a sudden stops working, that's going to represent an unnecessary burden because they really can't afford to, to support themselves. It's time for a break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with John Tarnoff, a reinvention career coach, speaker, and author who helps his fellow baby boomers transition to meaningful and sustainable careers beyond traditional retirement. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A L I S E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. If you're just tuning in, my guest is John Tarnoff, a reinvention career coach, speaker, and author who helps his fellow baby boomers transition to meaningful and sustainable careers beyond traditional retirement. He's been fired 39% of the time over his 35-year career as a Los Angeles-based film producer, studio executive, and tech entrepreneur, so he reinvented himself at age 50, going back to school to earn a counseling master's of arts and spiritual psychology. He joins us today from Los Angeles, California. California. And we've been talking a little bit about the, the vantage point of, of employers and kind of some of the things that were going on there. That's what happened just before the break. Didn't know if you had any other thoughts on that, John, if you want me to go on to the next thing we wanted to talk about. I think we can move on. Okay. All right. So I, I really like for this show to be as, as educational and inspirational as we can get it. So if we can get a little more specific here for our listeners, John, you've been talking a bit about this already, but... Um, from the vantage point of boomers, so what I'd like you to be able to do, if you can, is tell us what kinds of things do you recommend that boomers do to compete and perform in today's job market? Well, I think there are two things that I would say right off the bat, and one of them I, I was alluding to before, which is about attitude, and I think it's really important that we come to the table with a real attitude of service as opposed to uh, an attitude of arrogance where we are uh, convinced that our experience uh, should get us our next position. Um, I like to say that, that ability is the new credential and that while having a degree is great, uh, in the old days, your degree kind of got you the rest of your career. Uh, today, your degree just basically says that you got through your, your, your schooling, uh, but it doesn't really predict what you're going to be able to do tomorrow. So you really have to show that you have abilities beyond your credentials in order to be able to compete. So you have that attitude of being uh, a lifelong learner, of coming to a job with a beginner's mind, uh, then I think you're going to have a lot more of an opportunity to to get in there and, and prove what you can do. And then the second thing, which is, I think, so crucial to boomers, is that our resumes don't serve us the way they used to serve us. In the old days, you just got your resume out and you had a cover letter and you'd get in on a job interview and you get a chance at that job. But today, uh, if you try that, you're not going to get much traction, if any traction at all, because it's all about your network. It's really all about who you know and who they know and who can vouch for you and who can recommend you because the job market has exploded and you cannot rely on resumes as a way of finding the person to fill that slot. This doesn't work anymore. 
You know, I, one of the things I, I really want to emphasize what you just said there, John, is just the, the importance of the relationship and, and, and those connections to get your job. And I, I talk about that fervently at, in my SMU class. I teach a class here at Southern Methodist University here in Dallas to senior communication students. And the idea is to help them get and keep their first job. And of course, I make them go networking. I make them go and do informational reviews and they hate it. They just hate it. But I'm yep. like, I promise you, yep. this is how you're going to get your job. I promise. Just trust me on this. And <laughs> they want to send an email or maybe a text. And, you know, and I'm like, I'm sorry. You just have to do this. Yep. Yeah. The other thing that I, that I would say, and this is something that, and like you, I, I work with graduate students. I, I work in a Corona uh, entertainment management program uh, for Carnegie Mellon University, which is based here in Los Angeles. And and it's ironic because this is advice that I give to my graduate students, but it's, it's advice that I also give to the boomer clients who work with me. And that is that no matter what kind of job you're going to do, whether you're going to be a W-2 employee or you're going to be a 1099 consultant, you always have to think of yourself as a consultant providing value to a client versus an employee working under the direction of a boss. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I think that idea too, John, of emphasizing just always being very hyper aware, vigilant of what value am I bringing? What am I generating? Not just what am I doing to work to pass the time, but what value am I contributing? I think that's just critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really not about punching in. It's not about the years of experience that you've worked. It really is about what you can do for me tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so at this segment, I feel like our listeners have been waiting long enough. I, 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 we want to hear your story, John, right? I, I can't help it. I'm, I'm a meaning and work researcher. I love life stories, and I like to hear how people change and move through their lives. So would you sketch a little bit about your own background? I know you've had a long and full career in film production in Los Angeles and other executive and entrepreneurial roles. What's the background for us that made you who you are today? You kind of led with the punchline, which is this idea that I've been fired 39% of the time <laughs> in, my, in my career. And Sorry, John. I kind of, I kind of came up with that. Um, uh, it really wasn't a joke initially, and I guess it's, it's not really a joke. But uh, when I talked about this in this TEDx talk that I did a few years ago, and the, the topic was of the day was transformation. And, I, and this was the first time that I really had a chance to discuss this this career reinvention imperative for the boomers. And as part of presenting my credibility on this, um, I totaled up all of the jobs that I had had over my, the course of my entertainment career up to and, and, and including the Carnegie Mellon uh, uh, gig here working in, in the entertainment management program. And I realized that I'd had 18 jobs over about 35 years and 36 years, and it was about two, two years per job on average, and, um, and that uh, a certain number of jobs I had quit to go on to another job, a certain number of, of jobs were contracts that had, that had completed, no harm, no foul, but that the balance of the time I'd been fired and that that, was, that represent, represented 39% of my career. So I thought, well, this demonstrates that I've had to figure out how to reinvent myself, and I've learned a thing or two from that, and, and my purpose now in life is to turn that around and put those learnings um, in service of my fellow bloomers. Uh, so 
for for many many years for the for the you know late seventies into the eighties. Uh, I worked uh, primarily as a studio executive. Uh, worked for MGM and um, uh, Ryan Pictures and produced at Columbia and Warner Brothers and uh, co-founded a, a company that that has since become a quite important company called Village Roadshow. Uh, much less prominent when I was working there. Um, and then in the nineties, I kind of burned out. And it was it was not quite a reinvention, but it was it was certainly a reaction to to being a little bit burned out by uh, the ups and downs of what is a very tumultuous business in Hollywood. And I discovered technology, and I I had always been interested in computers, and was one of the first kids on my block to have a Macintosh back in 1984. And um, so when multimedia came in in the early 90s, I was really fired up and uh, uh, got involved in uh, producing a couple of CD-ROM games and uh, one early PlayStation title. And then a partner and I started a company doing some very, very uh, adventurous work with artificial intelligence and uh, animation to create a, a talking character online that would understand your input and, uh, and answer your questions. And we, we did very, very well with that at the beginning and had a very big deal with Sprint to create a virtual uh, customer service representative for their website. And in 2001, the entire tech sector collapsed. We collapsed with it. The Sprint deal collapsed. All of our other financing collapsed. And within about a year, we were out of business. And I thought, what the hell am I going to do now? I didn't really want to go back to the film business the way I had been in it. I didn't want to do those same jobs. I I didn't burn any bridges, but I was no longer current. Uh, in that area. So this is why I thought, okay, I'm going to go back to school and use that as a springboard to learn more about myself and try to figure out where I could go. And uh, this was where I went back and earned the, the psychology degree. And strangely enough, um, as a result of doing that work and, and changing, my, changing my pitch, changing my attitude, um, I got involved back in the movie business uh, in a very unexpected way, working for a great company, DreamWorks Animation. Mm-hmm. And I was there from the early 2000s up until 2009, 2002, 2003, 2009, uh, doing something that I had never been doing before, which was really much more about staff development and, and creative empowerment, uh, mm-hmm. recruiting uh, kids coming out of colleges, uh, developing leadership and artistic development programs inside so it was really a people-oriented job as opposed to anything which I'd ever done before, which was about content and story. So that really redefined my life, uh, focused me towards education and training, and, um, and that's really what I'm still doing today. A couple of things I want to say about that, John. One, what I want to point out to the listeners that I think is really important is just the notion of just so much of your career has never been, quote, permanent, right? A couple of years here and there is not permanent. Uh, I still run across people who've been at, at their jobs for 10 and 15 and 20 years. I've done a lot of work at Texas Instruments here in town, and you find people all the time that have been there for 25, 30, 35 years, which astounds me, but it's just so not the norm. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say about your, your background that I think is fascinating is just the sheer breadth of, of all the different kinds of things that you've done. I, I don't think I really understood that, that stint that you just talked about with the people development piece in your background. It's quite fascinating. I can see how that was the basis of what you're doing today. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I joke about the idea that I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a guy with a short attention span. 
um, because <laughs> I've, you know, I've, I've, I've had all these interesting experience, experiences, but I've really been very curious. I think that kind of defines, defines my personality. I'm a very curious guy. I love new challenges and new opportunities. I love to fix things. So it's taken me through this series of, of uh, solution building, project management oriented challenges. And it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I think curiosity is huge. I always tell my students, please go into every conversation with curiosity. You'll, you'll never go wrong with that. That's right. Uh, That's hey, right. Tell, tell us about the spiritual psychology degree. Why that degree? Why that focus? Well, I had I, I'd known some people who had been through the program and, and they had really turned their lives around. And, and the, the particular aspect of this program, which appealed to me, was that it was a very compassionate person-centered psychology uh, approach to uh, uh, transformation, personal transformation, career transformation, and the idea that so many of the things that are holding us back in our lives and our careers have to do with unresolved issues for which we are likely judging ourselves and judging other people. And I make this a very integral part of my reinvention practice that if you're going to step forward, you have to reconcile everything that's come before. And the, those three steps, those three reconciliation, sorry, career reconciliation steps are that you have to uh, accept yourself and accept the mistakes that you've made, the bridges you've burned, the relationships that you may have trashed, um, the bad things that have happened to you, and just recognize that these are all lessons that have gotten you to the place where you are today. You also have to listen for feedback. You have to be open to the universe telling you information that you may not have wanted to hear, but is going to be very important for your next move. And then you have to be willing to reframe limiting beliefs, uh, old experiences, old attitudes. And I think this is particularly important as we age and we realize that maybe we've held on to an image of ourselves or an idea about who we are or what we can do that is, is founded back in our teens and our 20s when we start getting, getting going and no longer applies. It's time for a break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with John Tarnoff, a reinvention career coach, speaker, and author who helps his fellow baby boomers transition to meaningful and sustainable careers beyond traditional retirement. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you in your own driver's seat? 
Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with John Tarnoff, who is a reinvention career coach, speaker, and author who helps his fellow baby boomers transition to meaningful and sustainable careers beyond traditional retirement. He is the author of the forthcoming book called Boomer Reinvention, How to Create Your Dream Career After 50. We were talking before the break a little bit about what um, can help people reinvent themselves, et cetera. And you gave us some nice points there. This notion of really understanding the, the transformation piece and really understanding where, where, where your past comes from and how that informs your current and your future. Fascinating, John. And I just wanted to say that I totally understand what you're saying because a lot of the work that we do at Insignium, which is around organizational transformation and breakthroughs, um, is totally situated in that same space. So I was nodding my head ferociously as you were talking and thought that's really oh, cool great. that you get to do. Great, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, all right. So next, you mentioned this before. I wanted to hear a little bit about that TEDx talk. I've not done a TEDx talk myself yet, but several of my friends have. So I'd love to know how that opportunity surfaced and what did you talk about? Well, it was a, it was a great opportunity. It, uh, it came to me because I had uh, I'd done some speaking uh, previously um, for the group that had organized the TEDx and they called me up and they said, you know, would you like to participate in the theme of the day is transformation. And I said, well, that's, that's great. I'm flattered that you asked me. And do you want me to talk about transformation in the entertainment business? Because obviously that's my background. And they said, well, you can talk about whatever you want. And I said to them, well, I would like to talk about the boomers because I felt that it was, it was something I'd been thinking about. I was really, my, my, my thoughts about my, consulting and coaching practice were heading in this direction. And I had been doing research and I had realized that this was a, a crisis in, um, that, that was brewing and that needed to be addressed. And that the issue was, uh, how do we keep working? If we can't afford to retire, how do we keep working in an environment that doesn't value us in an economy that doesn't value us for our experience, our wisdom, and is marginalizing us for being too old, too expensive, and too out of touch. And it occurred to me that in order to counteract this, it really was up to us to reinvent ourselves as opposed to waiting for the economy to accommodate us or recognize us, that we would have to figure that out. 
So that's how the talk started, and that's how the five reinvention steps came about. And uh, here we are a few years later, and, and I think it is uh, as relevant or more relevant than ever. Mm-hmm. I would certainly agree with that, and think I do think it's really important that we and I applaud what you're doing, John. That you're you're researching, you're creating content, you're educating. You're you are, and that's how I found you. Of course, you we were out there both in the social media space talking about what we care about, and somehow our worlds collided. And I I appreciate the work that you're doing. And and to that end, I know you're working on your book, or maybe it's already written, but. Um, I'm writing a book myself, too, around my research, around meeting and work, and so I, I'm, I'm jealous and envious that here you are about to release this thing. Um, so what's behind that? What are you trying to say in this book? Well, I, I wanted to be able to, to really, I guess, kind of put my mouth where, uh, what's, what's, what, I'm trying to be witty about this, my money where my, my, where my mouth is. I mean, it, 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 I really needed to put this down on paper. I really needed to, to codify everything that I was, talking about in terms of reinvention and working uh, with um, my clients on. And it was, it's all great to have this in a 16-minute TEDx talk, but when it comes down to it, what are the steps, the real pragmatic steps that someone needs to do to turn their career around, uh, particularly if they've been, as you were alluding to before uh, during the break, if you've been in a company for 10 or 20 years and you kind of think, oh, my God, you know, what do I do? I, I, I don't have a resume ready. I, I'm, I, I'm so identified with this company. What am I going to do without all these people? I mean, how am I going to be on the outside? What am I going to do? Uh, it's a very, very daunting prospect. And I thought, well, rather than talk about this on a very airy-fairy level about how times have changed and we have to be more resilient and we have to be more up to date and all this stuff. What are the practical steps? So what I've put together is really a series of 23 different skills or steps that uh, activities that, that are spread around these five reinvention steps to give people a sequence that they can follow over a period of months to turn their heads around and their hearts around and refocus their attention on the dream career, on what that could look like, uh, and, and really shift their consciousness into a new frame of mind. Sounds awesome. Now, when is it coming out? You say, I've heard you say the fall. Do you yeah, have a yeah, specific... October, uh, October of this year, October 2016. Okay. And how will our listeners be able to get it? Well, the, the, the first thing to do is to go to my website at johntarnoff.com and just sign up. And if you sign up to the list, you will be informed, believe me, of, uh, of every opportunity as it gets closer. Okay, great. Are you planning on doing like a book launch and a signing and all that kind of fun stuff? Um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm working on planning that right now. Okay. I've been a part of several of those as my friends have launched their books. They're, they've been really, really fun. I know it's not for everybody, and you've probably got, knowing you and your background, I'm sure you've got a specific approach you're going to go after, but just curious. Yep. Well, okay. stay tuned. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm signed up, too, so I'll, I'll be on the end of that Good. blast, too. Um, so we have just a few minutes left here, John. I want to I want to give our listeners a couple more things to kind of chew on as we as we leave them. So one of the things that I, that you've alluded to already, but I think it's really important that we just talk about directly is the importance of entrepreneurial thinking for boomers. Um, yes. Say more about that, would you? 
Well, I, I think it really, again, goes back to this idea of thinking like a consultant providing value. Um, and, I, and I think it also has to do with a willingness to follow your usefulness as opposed to following your bliss. You know, we, 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 it's a cliche to say, oh, follow your bliss and the money will follow. I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think that, uh, and, and uh, I heard someone say that if, if following your bliss was all you needed to get to success, then, then everybody on, on, uh, uh, on America's Got Talent would be a superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's clearly not about that, but I, I do think it is about where you can be useful. So it's a really marrying who you are and who you are today as opposed to who you were 20 or 30 years ago um, and what you like to do and the people that you connect with, with what are you best suited to achieve? What are you best suited to solve? Um, and this attitude of service, I think, is really, really important because not only, I think, will that help you figure out what you want to do, but it will remind you while you're doing it that helping other people is something that we're really good at at this point in our lives. And people really appreciate us for our service um, and how we can help uh, as opposed to you know, what we may know. We don't have to impress everybody with how much we know, how experienced we are, how things work back in our day. I mean, no one really cares about that. But what they do care about is how all of that can help them today. And mm-hmm. if we stay in the present with all of this, we can be extremely successful and get a kick out, <laughs> a kick out of doing it while we're doing it. What a great way to say that, John. I, I love that because I, I've, I've certainly heard my, myself say, well, it would be great if you can monetize your passion, but it's even better when you say things like, where can I be useful and be of service and point your, your compass that direction? So uh, such a fantastic way to delineate the last little bit of time we have together here. Um, could you, just for the, the sake of giving you the last, the last word, if you will, and say maybe 30 seconds or so, can you help us just understand how to m- leave us with some thoughts on how to more meaningfully connect to the work that we do as boomers, people maybe with a lot of experience under our belt? Well, I mean, I think this goes to a lot of what I talk about in the book about, um, about connecting within. The first thing that I suggest that people do when they're embarking upon a career reinvention is to start a journal. Uh, And it's basically a simple idea. I mean, every day, the same time of day, every day, write longhand one to three pages about whatever comes into your mind. Great. I'm going to stop you there, John, really quick so I can send them to your website. So sorry to to interrupt you. I want to make sure... Want to make sure that our, our listeners know where to find you, John. Thanks for being with us. Go to johntarnoff.com. That's John, T-A-R-N-O-F-F.com. John, great conversationalist and great subject matter expert on career invention, baby boomer generation. Really appreciate you coming on. Listeners, I'll see you next week. And remember, work's at least one third of our life. So let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, 
every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. We'll be right back. 